Welcome to Watershed's November podcast. My name is Mark Cosgrove. I'm the cinema curator here at Watershed. This month, we're talking to Fern Dunn, who has been doing a placement here at Watershed as part of her MA in curation at the University of the West of England. Welcome, Fern. Hello. Just tell us a bit about the MA in curation. What, what was it that drew you to do it? Um, and what's the experience been like? Um, so I applied last year in September for the course and I decided to do it because I've always had a real interest in cultural industries and the environments, um, so art galleries, uh, cinemas, all sorts of things like that, museums. Um, and I just wanted to learn more about it. And mm. through the course, uh, I've been placed at Watershed for the year with yourself and with the rest of the programming team, learning about how the programme gets put together mm. and um, actually kind of trying trying out my own events as well. Mm. And it's quite a unique um, course that the university are running. It's the, first, uh, it's the first one and you're the first intake. What really interested me about being a partner on the course was that um, the uni these placements and working with a range of arts organisations in Bristol. So the other ones are the Arnolfini. Yeah, Arnolfini, uh, the Spike Island, uh, Bristol Museums and Art Gallery, uh, M Shed and Encounters Film Festival as well as Watershed, and yeah, it's a really unique experience that we're all getting um, across a massive range of um, institutions. And how, how are the other students, because it's a small intake, and what, what's been the sort of learning experience? Um, it's, it's, it's just been really interesting and dynamic to have people around you that are interested in various different things, and so um, everyone's coming at curation from very, very different angles. So we've got social history, contemporary art, film, um, and everyone has their own input into what we learn. Another interesting element of the course is just bringing together the theory and the practice by the placements. What, you know, how how how's it been for you? Um, you know, bringing together the theory because there's, there's obviously a lot of writing about um, curation. What's that experience been like bringing together the, the more theoretical with the practical? Um, it's, it's been quite interesting, especially because placed at Watershed, I've been mainly looking at film curating um, and lots of the things we're actually taught about is, is more contemporary art, museum-based element, but actually lots of, the, lots of the theory still applies here. It's about widening um, audience experience um, and creating a programme or an exhibition that actually enhances um, an experience. And uh, one of the things that interests me is, um, you know, curating visual art, there's a big tradition of it, obviously. I mean, one talks about a curator quite comfortably with the um, visual art world. But with cinema, it's, it's different. I mean, have you noticed that difference? There's a difference in sort of language and approach? Yeah, there's definitely a different dynamic when you talk about cinema, um, it's, it's quite a hard um, thing I found to try and explain to people that you can actually curate film. Mm. Um, Not in a gallery, but... Yeah, 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 in, yeah. It, um, because I think people see art as this high, untouchable thing, whereas film, it's, it's more of an everyday occurrence. Mm. Um, but it, it, Film curation is about actually getting people to engage in 
the subject of the film, not just mm. being a passive audience. Mm. And, you know, certainly, again, that's why, you know, I've been really interested in working with the University of the West of England on the Emmy and Curation because, for me, it, it is that thing that audiences, not audiences, but, well, audiences, I guess, but the, the general wider world views cinema as a, something which is scheduled, programmed, you know, transmitted, put out there, but not not actually curated. Um, and when you see things like the growth of uh, uh, secret cinema, for example, um, which which I guess is called event cinema, you can see ways in which it's got out to a wider public that, or that you know, this can be put together as an event. Um, I mean, is that something that's that struck you as well? Yeah, the, there has been this growing trend for event cinema, which I guess is kind of the the bridge, bridging the gap really for a wider audience to understand that film is is something that is worth actually considering as a as something that should be kind of engaged with mm. in the same way that you would engage in a, with a piece of art. Mm. Um, actually, yeah, again, I keep saying creating an experience mm. rather than just, mm. it's not just sitting in a dark room mm. and shutting off for two hours. Mm. In January, when you started, um, we talked through some uh, reading, and I remember you know talking about Bazan, Andre Bazan, the great film critic and sort of founding father of of film theory, really, um, and also uh, other uh, publications about cinema in different spaces. Has that stuff resonated? Has the has the has the work that we were talking about resonated with you? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so the book Screen Dynamics, I really, really engaged in looking at new ways that cinema can actually move move out of the, the space of the cinema, can really engage an audience in, in various different ways. And it's also been interesting coming from coming to film curating from a graphic design point of view, because I don't have the theory that everyone else has. So reading Bazan mm. um, was definitely an eye-opener into the actual film side. Because Bazan's, um, you know, about the language of cinema, I think mm. he's, for me he's very interesting about opening up what the language of cinema is. And, um, you know, it's really interesting about the Screen Dynamics, which was a catalogue from a conference that came out of the Oberhausen Film Festival. And I think, you know, Bazan very much about inside the cinema, watching the film on screen and analysing the film. But the Screen Dynamics being about how film can go out into the outside world and be part of the environment. Yeah, and also um, you in January you put me in touch with Tim Kindenberg and learning about Ent Screen and Ent Cinema and, and new ways of creating a cinematic experience yeah, in that's, well, the that's, 21st century. And that, yeah, that's brilliant because Tim's of course one of the residents in the um, Professor Media Studio here, mm. at, here at Watershed and, and uh, quite extraordinary experiments with multi um, handheld devices and platforms, which links, as it were, con you know, continuity from the screen dynamics. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And again, it's taking film outside of the cinema, but still creating a screen mm. that can be put anywhere, mm. and it's still engaging an audience. Mm. I mentioned Philip Glass um, earlier on because that was one of the sort of projects that. We, we said that you know you can work on to curate, which we ha we've had Philip Glass um, here last year as part of Filmic, and we uh, at Watershed put on a series of films that he had scored. 
and it, we're absolutely delighted that Philip Glass is coming back to Bristol to perform at Colston Hall um, and also do a talk at St George's. But um, we, we talked about how, how do you present a season of films around Philip Glass. Do you want to just talk us through? Um, I remember that our initial discussions between you, me and, and Phil up at uh, St George's, looking at actually what the origins of Philip Glass were and what inspired him and what really drives his music. And so the initial discussions were um, looking at the beat movement and looking at Buddhism. And so I took that and kind of went with it and mm. did quite a bit of research yeah. into especially the beat movement of the 50s and 60s in New York and really how um, that whole area exploded with music and art and poetry, so um, Alan Gainsbourg, um, Jack Kerouac, and various other people. You know, New York at that time in the sort of mid late fifties, early sixties was a phenomenal sort of cultural ferment. As you say, the people at Ginsberg, Kerouac, the poetry, the writing coming together with um, visual arts, people like Larry Rivers, and then also the music, um, John Cage, and that. Which must have been an extraordinary moment, and yeah, I mean Philip Glass sort of very much one suspects being um, there and soaking up some of those influences. Yeah, he definitely would have been. Yeah. So just tell us a bit about the the films that you've put together for Philip Glass Glass Fest that's happening in Bristol. So the we've got four screenings that will be happening between the second of November and the eighth of November. The first one is going to be Pull My Daisy, which is a short film starring the main hitters of the beat movement. Um, and then What Happened to Kerouac, which is an amazing documentary from 1986 about the man Kerouac and his, his life, basically. Um, and then we'll be screening two Michael Snow avant-garde films, uh, Back and Forth and then Wavelength, which really play with structure and... What's, what's interesting about Michael Snow you just mentioned is that I've always thought of Michael Snow as doing visually what Philip Glass does orally um, in that he plays with the structure of film and the shot and edits and the rhythms of film. Not necessarily content, although the content's usually important, which again is similar to Philip Glass, but there's something about the structure and of course, you know, very much part of that avant-garde filmmaking scene in in America and in New York. Yeah, definitely. And also what's interesting about Michael Snow is that he himself is a musician. And so like Glass understands structure and, mm -hmm. and how that can really create an interesting dynamic. Um, and then the third screening is going to be John Cassavetes uh, Shadows, mm. which again is an incredible film from the beat era, um, completely improv on the streets of New York, mm. uh, filmed in 16mm. <laughs> and and Casavetti's really, um, you know, the founding scene is by many is the founding father of the independent film scene in New York. And I, I think with, with Shadows just really gives a, a, a flavour of what it must have been like to be in, in, to have been in New York at, at that time. The last okay. one is going to be uh, Kundan which is the Scorsese film from 97, uh, which Glass actually scored. Mm. Um, so we thought it'd be good to bring it back to, to something mm. that Glass has been involved in. And also 
um, relating to his interest in Buddhism and spirituality, which again is very evident in his music and the balance that he mm. likes to create with the structure. So a series of films then that, that really uh, brings together, I think brilliantly, the, the interest, the influences, the inspirations of Glass from that uh, scene and in, in phenomenal scene in New York at that time and also his his concerns for Buddhism and spirituality, as you say. If people go into the Watershed site, uh, forward slash D-Shed, and search for Philip Glass, they'll see the interview from last year that Glass did with um, composer Charles Hazelwood, where he talks about working in partnership with Scorsese for Kundun, and can see it in the context of Glass's interest, as we said, in spirituality. For more information on the Beats and Buddhism Glassfest season that Fern has curated, um, go to watershed.co.uk, which is a partnership with Colston Hall in Bristol and St George's. Thanks very much, Fern. Good luck with the rest of the curation course. You can find out more information on it at the University of West of England website. And that's all for this month. <laughs>